Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm your host, Karen T, and welcome to another episode of Cookies and Crime. And welcome to the first ever Cookies and Crime Listener Stories podcast episode. For these episodes, I read stories sent in by you guys, the listeners, and it's not only true crime, it could be paranormal, ghost stories, just weird stories in general, and of course, true crime. Although I will say most of the stories are ghost-related or paranormal, which I honestly love everything that's spooky and scary and death-related. So I love that I can balance both of those types of stories, like true crime and ghosts, in one podcast. And I will do a listener's episode every four or five episodes, but this one is our first one. I feel like I'm wearing a very appropriate shirt today. It's from... The Zach Baggins Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. I know we're all supposed to hate him because he is kind of the trashy person of like the paranormal investigator world. I just love scary things, even when they're like kind of novelty like his museum is. Obviously, because I talk about death all the time and I read ghost stories, I just gravitate towards those things. And I don't know about you, but if you are obsessed with like spooky things, Halloween, death, like I am, for some reason, like those places kind of feel homey. And I feel like a complete psycho saying that, but there's just like, it's just really comforting being in those spaces. And I don't feel like there's much to read into it. I think it's literally just because I love spooky things and not because I'm just a complete psycho on the inside. I might be, so we can't take that off the table. Not saying that I would make my home feel like that and I would want to live in a haunted house, but being in those spaces is just really fun for me. Like I love going to haunted attractions and things like that. And speaking of Halloween, it is now August and something that I see a lot of content creators do, especially when it's in like the food or like the crafty niche of content creators, when it's August 1st, they jump on Halloween as if September did not exist. And don't get me wrong, my birthday is in October. Halloween is my favorite holiday. Obviously, I love all of this spooky shit. But it irks me a little bit that on August 1st, everyone jumps to Halloween content. Like, bro, I live in the Pacific Northwest. It is cloudy like 90% of the time. It's raining like 70% of the time. I have been waiting because June isn't even summer here yet. So for people to jump to fall already in August, it's like, where did, where did my summer go? Did I even get to have a summer? And are we also forgetting that like in a week, it's gonna be like 100 degrees here? And I know I'm gonna get some hate for that because obviously people love fall, I do too, but I also love summer. And I also love at least having two months of summer. You know, I mean, in terms of seasons, right? Doesn't each season get four months? Why do I only get two months of summer? That seems very unfair. But I digress, I just needed to let that out. Let's get to the cookie that I'm eating in this episode. 
So I was at the grocery store looking at different cookies that I can eat for this episode. And this one just popped out at me. So this cookie is massive. It's like the size of my hand basically. And it's a sugar cookie that's been decorated, but you know, it's grocery store sugar cookie. So it's decorated like in the masses. So it's a simple design, but it's like, it's hot pink. There's orange squiggles in it. And then the design on top, is a shell and they also dipped it in like sanding sprinkles. So overall, it's like a whole spectacle. It caught my eye immediately because I am the type of person who is attracted by colorful foods, like I'm a child. And I feel like in the cookie decorating world, these cookies are basically our enemies. And there might be multiple reasons, but I think a big one is that these cookies are made in like high production and they get to be sold for like a pretty high price. But when a cookier, a cookie decorator decorates a cookie and tries to sell it for the same price, people think it's absurd. So it's like you're willing to pay $5 for this generic cookie from a grocery store, but I'm gonna charge you $5 for my hand decorated sugar cookie and I'm being absurd, you know what I mean? And I also feel like these cookies don't typically taste very good. Like if you think a decorated sugar cookie made by some, you know, home baker isn't good, which I don't agree with, these are worse, basically. So I bought this from my local grocery store. It's called Zupans. I think they're only in Oregon. It's also like a fancy grocery store. I don't shop there because the prices are ridiculous, but I knew that they would have a better selection of like more freshly baked cookies, which is why I went there. And this cookie is $4.75, which you can argue is either pretty expensive for what type of cookie it is, or you can say that's a fair price. Just by looking at the ingredients, it's a very busy list, which tells me one, it was made in high production and it's meant to last a little bit longer. And two, it's not going to taste like a fresh cookie, which is totally fine. I am just going to open her on up and see how this tastes. I don't know why I gravitate towards really colorful foods because I don't feel like this hot pink is natural like you won't see this hot pink in nature as something you can eat but i just think it's so fun all right let's take a big bite of this cookie this is going to make a mess mm-hmm mm-hmm hmm. okay i don't think it's that bad honestly i would give this like a seven out of ten just knowing where it came from and just having that expectation the cookie is surprisingly soft and I love the crunch of the frosting on top. It tastes like those cookies or biscuits from those blue tins. It just has that like flavor in it. It's very buttery and I feel like it also has like an artificial buttery taste, which I'm not opposed of. I kind of like that taste, it's kind of nostalgic. But for a grocery store cookie, this isn't bad at all. Would I get it again? Maybe if I'm just like craving just sugar in my mouth, but it's not something I would typically crave, if that makes sense. I will take another bite though. Mm-mm-mm, sugar. Now that I've had my sugar fix, let's jump into it. It's time for cookies and crime listener stories.
So the first listener story is a true crime case, and this is the case of Jared Adadero. And this story was sent in by Isabella. She says, Hello, my name is Isabella. This is not my story, but one of my teachers. We can call him Mr. A. Mr. A had a son named Jared, who was three years old, and a six-year-old daughter whose name will be unused. On October 2nd, 1999, Jared and his family went hiking with a Christian social group on Big South Trail. The kids were anxious to go on an excursion to the nearby state fish hatchery with the members of the group, and their father, Mr. A, was reluctant for Jared and his sister to go alone. But the group said they were just going to be at the hatchery that was only a few minutes away. He allowed Jared and his sister to go. After the hatchery, the 13 members decided to take an early afternoon hike up the Big South Trail, 15 miles west of the place they were staying. A few miles up the hike, they decided to split up into walking groups, one for faster paced and one for slower. Jared ran ahead of the group he was with. The boy reportedly stopped to chat with two fishermen, who told investigators that they didn't think much about Jared being alone, since they had seen the Christian Network group about 50 to 80 feet down the trail, unaware that Jared was not related to any of them. After an hour or two of the 12 members searching for Jared, they went back to the place they were staying to tell Mr. A, after they told him what happened, Mr. A jumped in his car, screaming, They lost my baby. They lost my baby. Running up the trail, he was frantically searching, but gave up after a few hours. The group had already called the nearby sheriff department when he got back. The local sheriff department and search and rescue team had arrived, followed by more non-local departments. Some members of the hiking group claimed to hear screams, and so did the little six-year-old sister. In the report, they asked her what kind of screams were they. She replied and said, I don't know if it was like someone getting attacked or someone was playing with him, she answered, like someone went up to tag him. The next day, Sunday morning, Mr. A and the little sister heard the sirens of a helicopter making its way up the canyon. I remember looking to his older sister and saying, look, there's a helicopter. They're going to find your little brother, Mr. A reassured his daughter. But instead of searching for Jared on that flight, they went back to refuel. Struggling with the fuel load and mountain conditions, it crashed right at the Big South Trail where Jared went missing. The helicopter had no problems before, so the reason why it struggled with the load and conditions was a mystery. They conducted more searches with planes, helicopters, and dogs, but they never found him. Many years later, Jared's partial remains were found by two businessmen in May of 2003, nearly four years later. Jared's disappearance and killing remain a cold case and noted for the fact the boy's cause of death was never officially classified. Many reporters believe that it was a mountain lion. Experts said that the discovered remains do not meet the typical patterns of a mountain lion attack, whilst others believe the skinwalkers did it. And that is the end of her email. I think it's crazy that this happened to her teacher and that her teacher was a part of this massively covered case. And I made sure to double check and Jared's dad is actually a teacher. And I feel so bad for his dad. I cannot completely understand how he feels, but I feel like we've all been in that situation where we think that we've lost someone, whether it was when we were kids and we like lost sight of our parents for a second, or like in my case, 
One time I went on a cabin trip and I brought my dog Meatloaf and I let him go outside to the bathroom and he did not come back for 10 minutes after calling for him and everything. And I was so, so terrified. Like there's just that anxiety that builds up in you when you feel like you've lost something so important and you have no idea if or when they're going to come back. And a part of you is always just hoping that in the next second, that person or that animal, that thing is going to come back and everything is going to be relieved. But in his case, it doesn't. And it's even worse than that. Four years later, after all of that anxiety and grieving and not knowing, he lost his son. And I feel like him telling his students, like Isabella, this story, I feel like he's gained back some strength because he has the courage to tell his students. He has the courage to talk about it. But I am certain, even without being a parent, that this is every parent's worst nightmare. And I'm so sorry that that happened to him. But also to hear the story in a classroom setting must be wild because this person's just your teacher. He teaches you one plus one equals two. And all of a sudden, he's telling this crazy story that just sounds like it's a documentary you see on Netflix. But no, those people exist around us and people have those stories. Which is why you should always be kind to everyone because you never know what they're going through. But thank you, Isabella, for sharing your story and sharing Mr. A's story. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com This next story is a paranormal ghost story, and it's sent in by Jenister, and it's titled Haunting Story for Cookies and Crime. Simple. Love it. Also, I've never heard the name Jenister before. I'm not sure if that's like a cultural name or maybe like a fake name because not everyone always wants to give their real name, which I totally understand. But Jenister says, this is a story from when I was younger. When I was around eight, maybe nine, my mother, my older and younger sisters, my aunt and I moved into a rather old house. This house was in the middle of thousands of walnut trees. I shared a room with my little sister while my older sister stayed in a room near the garage and my aunt in a room in the hall right next to our rooms. The first few weeks were fine, but it soon went poorly. When we would return home from school with no adults home due to my mom and aunt working, we would simply stay outside due to the pure creepy feeling in our living room. It was always really quiet since our neighbors were almost a mile away and we didn't have internet for three months. When we did go inside, my siblings and I never left each other's side. It could have just been us being so young and being scared by everything, but if I stepped foot in that house today, I would still get chicken skin or goosebumps. 
I've never called it chicken skin, but I feel like I have to, starting now, because that sounds so much cooler than Goosebumps. Actually, I just realized Goosebumps is also another bird <laughs> thing. You know when you see a word so much that it loses its initial, like, definitions of the words in it? Chicken skin, Goosebumps, like literally the same thing. Oftentimes, my older sister and I would cook dinner for my mom when she came home so she could eat and then go to bed. But I quickly stopped helping when one day I went to turn on the gas stove and all four stovetops lit up at max. I hadn't even touched the handle yet. I jumped back and felt like I slammed into someone, but when I turned around, nobody was there. I went sobbing to my older sister who said it was most likely just an issue with the stove and that I ran into a counter. Other times, the cabinets in our hallway would swing open and slam shut loudly, scaring us all. My mother told us it was the wind from the open windows, but it was hard to believe since those cabinets were so heavy. One day, I came home and was asked to take something into the garage. To get to the garage door, I had to go through my sister's room, so I did. My sister wasn't home and nobody was in the room other than me. There was a lock on the outside of the door where my sister's room was, but not in the garage. I opened the door, stepped in, and put back whatever I needed to. I turned back and twisted the handle to open the door, but it was locked. I had a massive fear of rats which our garage was infested with, and I began to freak out. My breathing grew heavy, but I tried again. What made it worse was I could feel hot breath on my neck. I thought it was just the summer heat as I shoved into the door trying to get it open. Then the handle got burning hot and burnt my hand. I screamed in fear and banged my fist on the door. Suddenly, my mom opened it, worried I was hurt. I ran into her arms, bawling about the demon hurting me. I lifted my hand and lo and behold, a second degree burn in the middle of my hand. My aunt eventually moved out and I took her room, but I never stayed in there. That room was the only one with wooden floors and an actual closet, which I shared with my mom. At night, I could hear whispers of what sounded like an older woman begging for food. Or she'd stand in my corner, hunched over and eating her own hand, then dragging herself across the wooden floor and going under my bed. Due to it scaring me so much, I became an insomniac. I would spend days on end not sleeping, sitting in my living room and crying, begging the women to leave me alone. Eventually, my mom was tired of having to share a bed with a terrified eight-year-old who would scream awake. So she took me to a doctor who diagnosed me with insomnia and I was most likely just hallucinating from the lack of sleep. But even with help, I couldn't sleep unless I was in my mom's room. We soon moved into my now stepdad's house and the hallucination and night terrors vanished. I decided to do some research on the place a while back and found out an old woman lived there, went crazy, killed and ate her abusive caretaker, then killed herself. She didn't have any family to care for her or check on her, considering she had no siblings or kids, and her mother died during childbirth. I couldn't find anything about her father, so I'm assuming he wasn't in her life. But yeah, don't stay in old houses, kids. Whew, that was a heck of a story. So a lot of weird things happened while I was reading this story. So I had to re-record half of this story because my laptop had died and my camera turned off 
and I heard something in my bedroom that set me screaming for my fiance. And I'm not saying it's because I am like manifesting something from reading the story and being freaked out by it and getting chicken skin or goosebumps, whatever you want to call it. But that was pretty weird and freaky. I mean, I know why my laptop died because I had accidentally tripped over my charger and the charger came apart into two pieces and I reconnected it. But everything else is super weird. Um, and because it wasn't recorded, my laptop died sooner than my camera, so I don't have the clear recording, but this is the recording from my camera when I freaked out. This doesn't even seem like an average ghost. This seems like a poltergeist because they're turning on stoves and they're able to heat things up and poltergeists are able to like start fires and they can like, okay, I just heard something in the room and I have to leave right now. Patrick! I am so embarrassed at the fact that I read true crime, I read ghost stories, I love all these things, but I am the most terrified person I know when it comes to these things. But let me just like gather myself because I was definitely freaked out for a second. I mean, this story is crazy. Kids are so sensitive to the paranormal, to that other side. And you can also say that, you know, they just moved into this old house. They're probably scared because it doesn't feel like home yet. It's a new home. But they just knew at the same time that the house was off. And I'm sorry, the fact that Jenister was seeing a whole old woman eating her hand and dragging herself across the floor in the bedroom, that's a big no-no for me. And I feel like even the spirit realm should have some boundaries and rules. That is way, way too much. That is doing way too much. I feel like they should have a meeting on the other side and be like, hey, I know we like to scare people and do some spooky shit, but can we agree that um, eating ourselves and dragging ourselves across the floor underneath someone's bed is off limits, you know? I feel like they should have a rule against that because that is terrifying. Oh God. That one freaked me out, not gonna lie, that one freaked me out. But let's move on to the next story. So the next story is a true crime story and it happened actually pretty close to where I live, which is Portland, Oregon. This happened in Beaverton, which is a more suburban city that is just west of us. This was sent in by Anonymous and this is the case of Milana Lee. Anonymous says, not long ago, actually, I met this girl. We became best friends and she was one of the sweetest people I ever met. We would always compliment each other and buy ice cream together. One day, we had an argument because I had been busy for a long time and couldn't hang out. We didn't talk for a few days. After those few days, I found out she had actually gone missing. She was gone for almost 24 hours when I called the police and told them about a secret spot in the forest we love to hang out in. After school that day, I told my mom that I knew the cops wouldn't look very hard for her, and she said we could go look in the forest if I want. We went to the forest and found absolutely nothing, but right before we were about to leave, I saw something floating in the creek. It was the red pants she had worn all the time with me and she was reported missing in. I found her Converse shoes scattered in the water too. I immediately started freaking out and my mom was trying to calm me down while I called 911. The police showed up and asked me questions for about 30 minutes while the rest of their group searched with dogs, 
drones, everything they could because I had found the first piece of evidence on the entire case. After they nearly finished, the detective got a text and looked back at me and my mom. We had been sitting in the car for air conditioning. He said, unfortunately, we found a body that has been deceased. My mom gasped and immediately started freaking out. I just sat there waiting for him to tell me it was a joke. He never did. I went home and cried more than I ever had. That night, they confirmed it was her. A week later, we found out our other best friend had done it, along with other awful things to her. I never got public credit because I'm only 15, therefore a minor, but I never got private credit either. No good job, no thank you, not even you helped. I'm still devastated to this day, but I'm finding ways to safely cope. If you ever use this story, thank you. Also, yes, it is 100% true. Her name was Milana Lee. I want to bring justice to her name, but for my safety, I'm obviously not releasing my identity or location to the public. Thank you for reading. So this is such a tragic thing to experience in your childhood. Having a friend be murdered is something that you can't even really fathom at that age. So I did look at some articles about this case after reading this story. And her killer was, I believe, 17 years old or was 16 years old at the time that he murdered her. And he also sexually abused her, which is so devastating because she was such a young girl. She still had so much to experience in life. And I know that the way she passed probably just wrecked her parents. And her parents even said in an article that the way she went is enough for someone to go crazy, to make them go crazy. And I completely understand that because that should never happen to anyone. And for that to happen to your own child is just like the worst thing that can happen. I believe this case is ongoing and they are trying to try him as an adult. So it's also a case that I would want to cover in the future. But in the meantime, Anonymous, thank you for sharing your story. I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. I'm so sorry for your friend and her family. And I really hope that you get the justice you guys deserve. So this next story is a paranormal story. We're going back and forth. But this one is a lot more lighthearted because I think we all need that right now. <laughs> and this story is called Thank You Grandpa Sent In by Charlie. Charlie says, my grandpa died a few years back. I would just refer to him as Opa, as that is what we always called him. After he passed, there was a fight in the family. My two uncles, the oldest brothers of my father, kind of influenced my grandmother to give them everything. They despise my father for no reason. My dad also has a sister, the youngest, but she doesn't have a big part in this, as she was abused as a child and resorted to alcohol and drugs. My uncles liked her even less and gave her nothing, but she never got to fight, even though she is still alive today. But back to the story, they wanted my father to gain nothing from Opa and did everything they could to get everything. So one night, he simply laid on his bed, crying and asking Opa to help him. He wasn't after money for the money's sake, just didn't want his brothers to have it all. They already had enough and we desperately needed some. About a week later, when he was cleaning his desk, my dad found an old letter from my opa. In the letter, it said that my father would get at least a good percentage of the money. He had never gotten a letter like this from my opa, but it was definitely from him, as it was the same handwriting and signature. Every time I see a picture of my opa, I say thank you, 
as he not only helped us immensely, but my uncles were furious, but couldn't do anything about it. And that's the end of the story. I love it when our loved ones who have passed are looking out for us in this world. I feel pretty blessed that I don't have a lot of people very close to me that have passed away, but I feel like when you are reaching out to your loved one and you get a sign from them, it's probably the best feeling, the most like reassuring feeling that you're not alone and that they are still there with you. And screw these uncles, I hope they got nothing or that they just like went through that money super quick because they seem super greedy about it. I feel like your father's praying and manifesting definitely made that letter come to his path and he found it. I love these types of stories because they're just so heartwarming and it just makes you feel like our worlds are connected in a good way and not like a scary way. So thank you, Charlie, for sending in your story. This is Lost Souls sent in by Jess. Jess says, I was in the Navy, stationed in California. While on deployment, an AirAsia flight went down. We awaited orders to go search for the plane and their black box. My boat was considered a small boy, held a crew of 330. Along the search, we found lost souls. We carried 13 souls on board my ship to bring them back home to lay to rest. I was the overnight baker. One night, I went outside to go smoke a cigarette. When you walk outside, it's pretty dark, so it takes a minute for your eyes to adjust. There was no one outside that late, so I lit my cigarette. Next thing I know, I see a gentleman standing next to me looking at the water. I wanted to see who it was, so I grabbed my lighter, and by the time I grabbed it, the gentleman was gone. I looked on both sides and to the back of me. He was gone within a second. He couldn't have gone out of sight within a second of walking. I believe he was one of the souls we were carrying on board my ship. I absolutely believe the same thing because I feel like that death was so quick and sudden and everyone on board did not expect to die on that flight. And so they might just be experiencing being dead for the first time. So I feel like he's probably lost. Like he might not know that he's dead or maybe he does and maybe he's just going out on that ship and thinking okay well this is my new normal. I feel like I've heard a lot of stories like that where it's a sudden death like a car crash or something like that and people see the victims pretty soon after the accident and I think it's because there's just there's still this huge ball of energy they might not know that they've passed away and so they're around and you see them and they haven't gone far from their bodies quite yet or they're still attached to their bodies. But all of this is so eerie, especially because it's in the dark, it's in the middle of the ocean and you're on a boat with these lost souls from the plane. And I also feel like the way she describes this, she wasn't scared, you know, I mean, it was a blink of a second, but I feel like what she saw, she had like an understanding of what it could be and it didn't scare her. But that is a really sad thought that, you know, someone could die all of a sudden and they are just lingering around their physical body because they are so new to being dead. So I already shared this story on my TikTok already, but I wanted to share it again because I think it's a really good ghost story. And for me, when I'm reading these listener stories, I want something that is believable because I gravitate towards the ones that sound more believable because some are 
a little, you know, out there. They include like monsters or just they seem like a storyline from a scary movie, which they may or may not be true, but I gravitate towards these simple ones that just feel so real. But that is all the listener stories that I'm going to share in this episode. So let's get into some cookies and crime trivia. So for the cookie trivia, I talked about how this cookie is like a bright magenta color. So let's talk about food coloring. So food coloring has been around for a very long time, especially because food dyes used to be more natural, you know, like saffron or beets or carrots, things like that. But this question is about the first synthetic food dye. The first dye to start this snowball effect of poisonous and chemically food dyes, which I feel like I am saying ironically because of course I have to use food dye in my foods, but everything in moderation, you know, I gotta be honest sometimes. So the question is, in 1856, William Henry Perkin was credited with discovering the first synthetic organic dye. What color was the dye? Is it A, red, B, brown, C, green, or D, mauve? I will give you five seconds. Okay, ready for the answer? It's D, mauve. That's such a random color to me because I thought it would be, you know, a primary color or a rainbow color. But I guess it makes sense because it's a synthetic organic dye. And so some part of it has to be organic. And I feel like mauve is closer to a natural color. I mean, it's my favorite lip color to wear. And it was used to color foods, drugs, and cosmetics. So that makes a lot of sense. I feel like drugs have that mauve color, like almost like Advil, but maybe not as deep. But yeah, the first synthetic organic dye was mauve. The more you know. So for the crime trivia, in this case, since we are also sharing ghost stories, this is actually going to be a paranormal question. And to be honest, this one's going to be pretty obvious because it's a true or false. And you know, the fact that I'm just putting this in a statement, you're going to think, why are you putting this in a statement if it wasn't true? But just play along with me. Okay. So the true or false statement is there is a correlation between paranormal beliefs and childhood trauma. True or false. I'll give you five seconds. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to tell you right now. It's true. (laughs) So there's a whole research that has been done about this and I haven't looked too far into it. I'm just reading from the abstract, but they did find a significant correlation between trauma and paranormal beliefs in children. And honestly, just reading that sentence, I am not that surprised. I mean, I know we all have grown up with some type of trauma, but I had so many paranormal beliefs growing up. I feel like a part of that is also because it's just I innately like scary things. And so I feel like this study kind of taps into that too because they have to take into consideration other things other than just trauma. But apparently it has to do with a child's coping mechanism and coping strategy. And so kids who have gone through a lot of childhood trauma develop a lot of fantasies and they 
tend to believe more in the paranormal because it is a coping mechanism for them. And that in itself makes a lot of sense. I definitely will look into this a little bit more in the future because I think it is so interesting. And at the same time, I feel like this is science doing their sciencey thing to like the paranormal world. Like they want to analyze it in a scientific sense, which makes sense, you know, that's the only way to prove how something is real. But that's hard with the paranormal. So this to me feels like them trying to make sense of paranormal stuff, not necessarily saying that paranormal stuff is real, but that kids and people in general gravitate towards these beliefs because of a certain reason and not necessarily because it's just true. If I just made sense there. But regardless of my childhood trauma, <laughs> I do believe in another world. I do believe in paranormal things. And it feels like it's just me. Maybe it's my trauma, but we'll never know. And I'm just accepting it for whatever it is. But that is the end of this Cookies and Crime listener stories episode. If you would like to send in a story yourself, you can head to my website, Cookies dash and dash crime.com it will also be in my description and you can send me your listener stories there and again it could be true crime it could be paranormal ghosts aliens skinwalkers whatever creepy weird thing that's out there and you have a story about it i would love to read it and share it possibly and for those who are listening to the podcast on my youtube i'm sharing the same episode but i am decorating cookies at the same time and right now I'm going through a nostalgic phase where I am making cookies of cartoons I grew up watching. And so last week I did Ed, Ed and Eddie and this week I did the Powerpuff Girls. So if you wanna check that out, head to my YouTube and take a look. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully it wasn't too creepy for you. I know that people who like true crime don't necessarily like paranormal. But let me know how you feel about it on my Instagram or on my website, on TikTok. Let me know and I will be back in two weeks. Bye! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.